God good. Um, can you believe it is February? It's mad. We are already in February. I don't know what happened to January, but it's done and dusted. It's gone. It's never to be here again. Some of you might be going, praise God for that. Because January was a crazy month, wouldn't you agree? It was just like um, mental, the stuff that went on in January. Like as a church, we you know, put in our new carpet and we had our 10th anniversary service, which was amazing last week. But in the world, it seems like everything's going crazy, doesn't it? Started with the bushfires, which was, was mad and, uh, and still is still continuing. And, and we pray and, and uh, continue to pray for them. But we had the bushfires. Um, what about then we had Trump and Iran and who knows what's going to happen there you just pray that God's in control um, and that he knows what he's doing and, uh, and now we have coronavirus isn't that right? just one thing after another and like corona for me was a car I drove when I was a teenager but it's, uh, I had a nice little Olive green Corona, and uh, but uh, it's just crazy what's been happening, and it's so much happening, and uh, and so January has just seemed to fly by, is uh, and now we're in February, and as I was preparing this week, I I realised that it was a month ago I pre- preached on the first Sunday of January, and I preached uh, a word about from a scripture that I believe God was speaking to us as a church. And it's been a whole month already later, or a bit more than a month. And as I was preparing, I felt a real prompting from God to say, uh, you need to preach that again. You need to preach it again because so much has happened in January that um, most of you have probably forgotten what I preached about. And most of you probably think, what was that scripture again? What was it? And uh, that's okay, because life happens. But I really felt, and this is the first time probably in the life of the poor church, that I'm going to preach a sermon again and repeat it, because I really believe that God wants to get it into our hearts and into our spirits, because I believe God wants to speak to us and bring us into a good year. Even though it started crazy and there's been so much happening, that we know we serve a God that is bigger and greater than all that stuff. And so we can trust him and we can live in him and learn to move forward. So I'm going to preach again from Isaiah 54 because I really believe God wants us, wants to cement it in our spirit and help us really understand it. Is that cool? Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the, the word that you give us that is life and is real. Even though it was written thousands of years ago, that it still is relevant today and can change and transform lives today. We open our hearts to you this day and we pray that you would speak to us and challenge us and transform us into what you want us to be. We ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. The scripture we read is Isaiah 54, verses 1 to 5. And it says, sing, barren woman, you who never bore a child. Burst into song, shout for joy, you who were never in labor. 
because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who is a husband, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. And the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. I believe this passage is God wants to speak to us through it. And that he has a command for us as the church. But he also has a command for us as individuals. And if I was to sum it up in a statement, I would say that it's saying to us that it's a time to build. It's a time to enlarge and strengthen our lives and our church. This is what God is calling us to, a time to build. You see, in our passage, he makes it very clear that to enlarge your tent and strengthen your tent pegs. And I believe what God is wanting, us to, say, wanting to say to us is that he's calling us to build. Now, I don't believe he's calling us to build new things, and I'm not going to institute a building program, and we're saying, you know, we want to expand the building and do all of that sort of stuff. That's what not, what this is, is not what this is about. What it is about is about building upon the foundation that God has established in this place. He has established a good foundation over the last 10 years. And now it's time to expand it and and see it get even larger. To see it get even stronger. That God has a plan to bring more more and more people into this place to find healing and life and, and purpose. And that we need to start to prepare for it. We need to start to get ready. And in your lives, in your individual lives, God is wanting, he's saying he's done a good thing in your life to this point, but he is wanting to expand it. You've come so far, but guess what? God's got more for you. Is that good? Do you believe it? God's got more for you. And so in this passage, God gives us three things that he commands us to do. The first one is to sing. What does it say? Sing, barren woman, you who never bore a child. Burst into song, shout for joy, you who were never in labor. Because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has had a husband, says the Lord. See, God is speaking to a barren woman, it says. Now, if we look at the history and the culture of the day, in, the, in that time in Israel, a barren woman was a desolate woman, as it says in this passage. Barren women were looked down upon. See, a woman that had, was able to have children and have many children were thought to be blessed because it was all about your heritage and your, your inheritance and passing on your legacy. And so if a woman couldn't have children, basically they thought she was worthless. She was of no value. And so in this passage, we see that God says to the barren woman to sing. He says to the barren woman, I want to make you more fruitful than a woman who has had children. That he says very clearly, more are the children of the desolate woman 
than of her who has a husband. And see, God loves to take barren things. God loves to take things that have been unfruitful and not, not functioning well, and he loves to make them fruitful. He loves to take things from nothing and make them into something. And see, God's promise to you in this place and God's word to you in the pla- this place is maybe some of you feel like there's things in your life that are barren, that there's things that you've wanted to see come to pass and that you're still waiting. And you're saying, God, those promises you've given me, when will they come to pass? When will I, I, I see this happen or that happen that you spoke to me so long ago? And God wants you to know And God's command to you is not to give up, but his command to you is to sing. His command to you is to burst into song. He's saying, sing it out. Don't don't stop thanking me. Don't stop giving thanks to me because I will bring more into your house and into your place. You see, this is the thing that our God loves to do. And the reason he talks about this is, is that he understands that there is power in our words. That when, when we speak out thanks to God and praise to God, it is a, it's, it's a, an action of faith. And as we speak in faith, things can happen. You see, when God spoke, what happened? The world was created. When God spoke out, the world came into being. And so he says to us, speak it out. Don't stop thanking me for the promises I've given you. Because when you do, it's a it has a creative force that I can take what you're saying and I can turn it into reality. You see, this is the great thing that God wants is when we praise and thank God, we give him something to work with. And this is really important for us to understand because I want to go a little bit deeper with this because in our, in our scripture, it says very clearly up there, sing and burst into song and shout for joy. It doesn't just say, you know, sing a little bit. And there's a difference between saying it and singing it, but there's even a difference between singing and bursting into song. You see, the idea that that this passage gives us is it's not just a passive, oh, God is good, yeah, I think God is lovely, la, la, la. No, he's saying sing. He's saying burst into song. And when you really sing, it it's, comes from in here. Julie tells me that when you sing properly, it's got to come from your what, diaphragm thing in there. And, it's, it's got to, and you've got to use all the air in your lungs and burst forth. And, and the idea there is that it takes everything you have. When I was preparing, it made me think of um, an old movie that I used to watch and that many of you probably know of. And the guys are going to show you a little bit of a clip from it. And uh, it might help you see what type of singing God is talking about. Are you ready? Here we go. The hills are alive with the sound of music. With songs Thank they you. have sung. That's what I call singing. Right there. Sing it out. Sing it out like you're on a mountaintop and you're just going for it. Now, that might seem pretty funny, but the reality of it is that God wants us to hold nothing back. 
God wants us to change our posture. You see, for a barren woman, it would have been very normal for her to walk around with her head down in shame and guilt that she couldn't be fruitful. It would be very normal for a barren woman to think, woe is me, I'm, I'm just no good, I'm of no value to anyone. But God says, lift up your head and sing out. Sing out and be loud and be proud and burst into song and declare God's goodness. And see, God wants us to change our posture in this place. He wants us to change how we look at life. And rather than walk around with our heads down and thinking, oh, I don't know if God's going to do it. I don't know if it's going to happen. I'm going to give up because it's just taken too long. No, he wants us to go, God, I praise you. I lift up. You know, it was amazing to hear you guys worshipping tonight and just singing with all your heart because that God wants you to take that and take it out there into your life. You remember a few months ago or last year, Damien preached about singing in his car, singing the old 90s classics, and he'd wondered what people were thinking of him. That's the sort of thing we're talking about. Let's change the way we view it. Let's change the way we look at it. And let's change our posture and change and say, God, I don't care what it looks like in the natural. I'm going to sing and praise you with everything I have and give you everything I have because I believe what this scripture says and that you will turn my barrenness into fruitfulness. You will turn around my situation. Amen? Are you with me? (coughs) Good. Who's ready to sing? Not the hills are alive. The next part of the scripture, the next command God gives us is to enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. You see, the second thing God tells us is to enlarge your tent. Don't just talk about it, but act on it. You see, in this passage, the barren woman is told that your, your children will outnumber the children of a married woman. And that, and, but then he, the next part, he says, now, because of that, enlarge your tent now. Strengthen your tent pegs now. Stretch out your tent and make it bigger for what God is going to pour into your life. But it doesn't tell us that she's pregnant already. It doesn't say that, you know, and now that you're pregnant, now enlarge your tent. No, he says enlarge your tent now, even before you're pregnant. So what he's saying to us as a church is to act on it now, to step out now, to start doing things now, to believe what God is going to do in the future. Start making room now for what you believe God is going to bless your life with start making room. This is one of the reasons we've started Discover on a Wednesday night straight after pop-up is we're believing that it would be an open door for people to come in to learn more of God and who He is. See, we're enlarging our tent. We're we're expanding so that we can see God do what He wants to do. Because I really believe that what God is saying in this passage is start to add works to your faith. Yes, God is giving you promises, but start to put action to those promises. Start to put them into practice. Start to do things. Start making room in our lives today for God's blessing tomorrow. Now, the Bible tells us that we are made up of body, soul, and spirit. There's three parts to our lives. 
God says, love the Lord God with all your heart, mind and soul. And this is the thing that God is saying, that we need to love him with everything we have. So when he talks about enlarging your tent, it's about enlarging our lives. So it makes sense that we are to enlarge our lives in our physical, in our spiritual, and in our soul area. So when we talk about enlarging, what does that look like when we talk about enlarging our lives? I want to break it down to those three areas and and give you some examples of how you can enlarge your life this year. So spiritually, spiritually, what does it mean to enlarge your tent spiritually? You know, in the Message Bible, it has a really interesting take on it because it says talks about stretching out your tent and enlarging your tent but it also says drive your tent pegs in deeper that if you're going to make your tent stronger and bigger you need to drive your tent pegs in deeper so what that means for us spiritually is that we need to go deeper into God that we need to make a decision that we're going to make God a greater priority in our life uh, than it has ever been. So obviously that we do that through the different ways of our, our prayer life and our reading His Word and uh, our devotions and we can pray and fast and spend time with Him. But the idea is that we make God our priority. We make Him our everything. And maybe for some of you, maybe at the start of this year, it's a decision to say, God, I'm going to set aside the time to spend more time with you. I'm not going to just add you to the, the end of my day or tack you on. I'm going to actually start my day with you. So it might, it might mean setting your alarm a little bit earlier and saying, I want to get up and pray. Now, if you're not an early morning person, you're a night owl, maybe it means setting your alarm that at night instead of watching TV for the last part of the night that you actually say I'm turn off the TV and spend time with God but it's about enlarging your tent and saying God I'm making room for you in my life I'm making a decision to follow you deeper I'm making a decision to seek you more to seek you with all my heart to and and to make him a priority in what we do you see in this passage it's very clear it's our responsibility to enlarge our tent. It's our responsibility to expand our tent. So it's our responsibility to seek him. The Bible says that if we seek him, what does it say? We will find him. And so God is calling us to dig deeper, to go deeper with God, to make him a priority in what we do. The second area we can enlarge our tents is in our physical lives now this is a bit more challenging in some ways because many of us want to experience God's blessing in our physical lives isn't that right whether it's in our we need healing or maybe we look at our finances and we say we need a a breakthrough in our finances or in those sorts of things the physical elements of our lives but my question to you is what are you doing to make room for God to move in your physical lives See, it's one thing to want God to move in your physical life, but what are you actually doing to make room that God can move in your physical life? Now, this this next bit might sound a bit challenging, but if God is asking us to expand our tents physically, what does that look like? Maybe, and, and can I suggest this, 
and you can get angry at me if you want, but, but maybe it, it means looking after this body that the Bible calls the temple of the Holy Spirit rather than abusing it, rather than doing the wrong things by it. So maybe it means considering, and I'm talking to myself here just as much as anyone else, maybe it means considering what I'm putting in my mouth, what I'm eating, and the types of things I'm eating. We say, we want to be healthy. God, we want you to, you know, I want you to heal my sick body, but we keep filling it with the wrong sort of stuff. And maybe it's the challenge is to say, God, I'm going to look after the, this temple of the Holy Spirit. Maybe it means getting a gym membership or starting an exercise program. Yeah. Preach it. What do you reckon? Amen. Amen. I might need it. But the reality is we need to look after it. Some of us are, uh, are wanting God to do everything and we're just sitting back and doing nothing. That's me. And we need to say, God, I need to get healthy. And I'm going to act on it. I'm going to act on it by actually changing the way I eat and changing my exercise program. You know, some of us uh, have all sorts of struggles and difficulties. Uh, and as simple as going to bed at the same time and getting up at the same time every day helps us in our physical health. The doctors tell us that. Psychiatrists, psychologists say, get a routine together. Don't have an erratic, uh, inconsistent sleeping pattern. Get a consistent sleeping pattern and it will help your mind, your body and everything. It will help all parts of you. So go to bed every day at the same time and get up at the same time. It's actually really healthy for you. Uh, you know, it's, it's as simple as that. But maybe these are some of the ways that we can say, God... I'm going to make a decision to expand my tent. So I'm going to start to do some things that make me healthier. Maybe in your finances, you're going, God, I want to see a breakthrough in my finances. And you have to look at how you might have to go and do a budget rather than just spend money from day to day and say, look, I'm going to get some help on how to budget. Maybe that will help. Maybe you want to see God's blessing come and you, God challenges you to, be more generous, then do it. Act on it. But let's, this is our opportunity to expand our tent, to strengthen our tent pegs, to go deeper. The last thing, last area of our lives is our soul. In our soul, it's that part of our, our, our person that we don't necessarily see. It's our mind. The, they tell us it's our mind, will, and emotions, that part of our lives. So our thinking, our will, our desire to do things and not do things, and our emotions. Everyone has emotions here, don't we? Whose uh, emotions are up and down and all over the place? Well, this is that part. How do we enlarge our tents emotionally? You know, I've, the, one of the things that I've noticed over my years is that our, our soul is very much affected by our relationships. And so if you want to be healthier in your soul and you want to expand your soul, then it's about having healthy relationships. It's about developing relationships that are, uh, are good for you and safe for you and healthy for you. And one of the best ways we can learn to have healthy relationships is to practice forgiveness. To learn the power of forgiveness in our lives. To not hold grudges. Jesus talks about forgiveness probably more than 
so many other things that he tells us to forgive our brothers and sisters and to live in forgiveness. And see, when we practice forgiveness, it's good for our soul. It enlarges our soul. It, it helps us when we're forgiving one another and not holding grudges. It helps us move forward in life. It, when we practice unforgiveness, we get stuck and we, we, get, we can't keep moving forward. And so it's really important for our soul and to be bigger and stronger is to practice forgiving each other. That's a real challenge. But it's a, a good opportunity this year in 2020 to practice our, our forgiving of one another. Another area as a church we want to encourage is to create a, a culture of encouragement where we are expanding and helping each other, building each other up and, and really loving one another. This is really important. This is really important that we create in this place a place where you know you're loved and you're valued and you're cared for and that you are important and you have something to give. And as we develop relationships that are open and honest with one another, we can build each other up. You know, when you go camping and, and you, you uh, want to pitch a tent and you know there might be a storm coming, you know, one of the things that campers do when there's a storm on the way or a difficult time is when they drive in a tent peg, they might not just put one tent peg in that place, but they might put two or three tent pegs together to hold the tent down and make it stronger. There's a really good picture of that in that if we're going to be stronger, sometimes we need other tent pegs to be with us, to stand with us, to make us stronger. Isn't that true? And so when we build relationships that are healthy and that are, uh, are building one another up and encouraging one another up and, and forgiving each other and, and, and being open and honest and vulnerable, it brings strength to our lives. So when the storms come, there are others there with us that we know we can trust and rely upon and that they're there to be with us. Isn't that right? We've all experienced that. When we go through a storm on our own, it's so hard. But when we have people that we've learned to trust and be open and honest with, we can bear the storm together and get through it. Amen? The last thing God commands us to do in this, in this verse is, do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. See, God tells us to fear not. And his promise to us is you won't be embarrassed. You see, God knows really clearly that it's a scary thing to enlarge your tent. See, it's a scary thing to step out in faith and say, God, I'm going to believe you for more. God, I'm going to dig deep into you. I'm going to, I'm going to sing and I'm going to enlarge my tent and I'm going to strengthen my tent pegs and I'm going to get more of you in my life. I'm going to get out, go out there and get a gym membership and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to forgive that person that's hurt me. And he knows that that's a scary thing to do because it's, our, it's, it's having to trust God like never before. But God's promise to you and his declaration to you is you won't be embarrassed. Fear not, for you won't be, you will not be put to shame. You see, we're often we're 
afraid to try something new because we've experienced the embarrassment of failure many times before. And I know in this room there would not be a person here who has not seen failure at some point of their life, who have not fallen short at some point of your life. We all have. Guess what? We're all in the same boat. We have all been in a place where we've felt the shame and the embarrassment of failure. But this is God's declaration to you, is to fear not. Fear not in 2020, because you will not be embarrassed. You will not be put to shame. That his encouragement to us is, failure is only a stepping stone to success. Anyone who has been successful has experienced multiple failures along the way. And so God's challenge to us in 2020 is not to allow fear to stop us doing what God has asked us to do. To not let shame, the shame from past failures, to stop us from enlarging our tents and strengthening our tent pegs. You see, God makes it very clear the reason why we don't need to fear. And he says it because the next verse he says, For I, I your maker, or for the maker... For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. And he is called the God of all the earth. This is really powerful because in this moment, God declares to this barren woman, I am your husband. And this, you have to grab a hold of this because what he is saying is not just a, a, you know, a flippant thing and, and just... You need to understand that in that time, if a man was married to a barren woman, he had every right and privilege to divorce her. He had every right and privilege to cast her out. He, he, he didn't, because she was not fruitful, because what mattered most is that he would have children to continue on his name and to continue on his business and what he did as a family. And so if your wife was not fruitful not able to have children, then she was literally worthless. And so he had every right to divorce her and cast her out. But God says in this passage to the barren woman, the woman that has not had children, he says, I will be your husband. I will be your husband. And that's what he says to people in this place right now. People that... Uh, struggling with barren things in their lives, that you're saying that there's stuff going in my, on in my life right now that I'm not worthy of God. I'm not, I'm not worthy to be a wife. I'm not worthy to be a person that God would consider. And God would say to you, I will be your husband. I want to be your husband. And as your husband, see, you have to understand in this time, as a husband, the husband, a woman in this time was not able to live independently she couldn't live without a husband because a husband provided for her and a husband protected her and so a woman without a husband was in real danger and so thankfully things have changed these days but the reality is in that time it was a major thing for a man or to take up a barren woman and so when God declares I will be your husband he is declaring very clearly that I will be your provider and your protector. 
he's declaring very clearly that he is the one who wants to fill the void and the lack in your lives. He is the one that wants to have an intimate relationship with you. It's really interesting that he describes it as a husband-wife situation because there's no more intimate relationship in, in society than the, that of a husband and a wife. You see, this is the thing that God wants to have an intimate relationship with you. He wants to be your provider and protector. He wants to be the one you go to and, and is there for you in your time of need and trouble and difficulty. He, he says, you don't need to fear because I will not let you be embarrassed. Because I will be your husband. I will be the one who looks after you. I will be the one who meets your needs. Even though all the past relationships have failed to meet your needs, I want to meet every need of yours. You see, the marriage covenant is a powerful covenant where some two people come together and make a commitment to one another. And so God is making this commitment to say, I will be your husband. So our challenge is, will we respond and say, I will be your wife. I will be in relationship with you. I, I, I respond with making 100% commitment to you, just like you've made 100% commitment to me you see these are the things that God is commanding us he's commanding us in 2020 to sing and burst into song to change the way our posture is to change to lift up our heads and declare God's goodness over our lives to declare God's promises that he wants to bless us and and cause us to be fruitful he's calling us to be grateful to him with everything we have and then he's calling us to enlarge our tents and strengthen our tent pegs in every part of our lives, physically, emotionally, and, and, and spiritually, that we would enlarge our tents to make room for what God would want to pour in. This is what God is calling us to, church. And that he would say to us, finally, he would say to us, and fear not, keep going, keep going, because I have made a commitment to you that I will be your husband, I will be your provider, I will be your protector. So church, this is God's call to us this year, that he wants us to have a relationship with him that is so intimate and so deep and so real that, that we will see his blessing pour into our lives like never before. That we, we, we can step out in faith and say, I'm enlarging my tent. I'm expanding who I am. I'm doing things that I've never done before and I'm giving it a go because I know God is in my corner. And I can't, I can't pull back because I know God is with me and that I can step out in faith and see things happen because God is my husband. He is, my, he is with me and I've got nothing to fear. This is our challenge, church, in 2020. Will we believe it? Will we believe it? Will we sing out? Will we strengthen and enlarge? Will we fear not? Are we listening to what God is saying? Are we prepared to believe what he's saying and act on it and step out in faith and do what he's asking us to do? Why don't you bow your heads in prayer? Right now, I want you to reflect on what I've been saying, what I've been preaching and maybe God's been 
prompting you with things and areas in your life where you need to enlarge, where you need to strengthen your tent pegs, where you need to do things to say, God, I'm serious. I want 2020 to be different to 2019 or any other years before. I want to make you the priority of my life. I want to make you my all. I want to make you, I declare in this place today that I'm making a decision that God is my husband and that I'm relying on Him with everything I have. That my relationship with God is the most important part of my life. So right now in this place, as every head's bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, and you sense God prompting you and stirring you to enlarge your tent and strengthen your tent pegs, to sing out, to walk with a different posture, to declare His goodness in your life, even though things might look difficult and dark. Maybe it's to fear not and to trust Him with everything you have and to take a step of faith. And maybe the first step of faith you've got to take tonight is to stand and say, God, I make you my everything. I make you my commitment. I commit myself to enlarging my tent this year, to fearing not and to singing out. And so if that's you in this place, I want you to stand right where you are as a declaration, as a step of faith to say, God, I want to see my tent enlarged this year. I step out and I trust you in a greater way. Just reach out to him. Just reach out to him. Begin to pray. Begin to pray. Begin to declare His goodness. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Lord God, I pray for every person in this place. Right across the board, you see people who are standing. You see people in every place that they are. And God, I pray right now that you would strengthen them, that you would enlarge them, that you would enable them, Lord God that this year, 2020, will be different to other years. Lord God, that their spiritual lives would be stronger and bigger than ever before, that they will begin to make the decisions and choices that reflect their love for you and your love for them. Lord God, I pray against fear right now that would try to steal and rob them and paralyze them and hold them back. And I pray, Lord God, that they would know that you will not let them be embarrassed, that there is no worry or fear that can control them, but they can trust you with everything they have. Lord God, I thank you for their honesty and their openness. And I know your word says that when we humble ourselves, you will give us grace. And I pray that your grace would flood their spirits right now, that your grace would flood their lives and that they will see, Lord God, like the barren woman, they will see their tents full of your blessing, full of your, your, your power and your love and your healing and everything that they're crying out to you for. Lord God, that you will take those barren places and that you will make them fruitful again, that you will make them fruitful again, Lord God and that they will not be able to hold in everything that you have for them, God. I thank you for their obedience, and I pray right now in Jesus' name for everything that you have for them. We thank you, God, in Jesus' name.